Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the BestOfProds.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm dead. Remember, today we have Birdie. Happy end of 2018, everybody. <laughs> yes, this is going to be our final show of the year. Um, for those of you who joined us fairly recently in terms of watching these things, and I think either a truck exploded or someone shot a gun outside. Uh, so yeah. Setting the tone. Yeah, naturally. Just if I suddenly go quiet, it's either dead air or I'm actually been shot. So anyway, uh, yeah, like I said, um, if you're new, if you're new for us, uh, end of 28, end of the year, we take the last two weeks of the year off. Uh, so this week and next week will be the final week of regular podcasting for us. And then we'll be taking the and then we'll be taking those two weeks off, coming back uh, to regular podcasting the week of January seventh. So I'm pretty sure that will be this and games. Yeah, yeah, this and yeah, this is uh, yeah, games and anime week. Jesus Christ, people! There's just some motherfucker in a truck running around shooting shit off. You're in Canada. Yeah, and I mean, like, and I'm not like. Like the only place I would expect shit like that to happen is real boonies, or or like like fucking like the like the towns they fucking set deliverance in, or the big city where there's like crime and shit. We're across the street from the Boys and Girls Club. That must mean something different where you are from where I am. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. January 7th, so, we're yeah. coming back. Yeah, and Deadman and I are going to send this year out on a note. Yeah. You see, we break trends here at DustWorldProds.com. We don't go with your fucking preconceived notions, man. So instead of doing our, so instead of doing like a big fucking interview round, I was like, hey, here's the best moment, whatever. Fuck that noise. We're just going to do our regular ass show and then say it's something special because it's the end of the year. Because fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, that, and I, yeah. I, I don't think this was a particularly special year for anime. <laughs> yeah, not really. Of all the shit we cover on the site, the one thing that we actually could potentially do a full, like, end-of-year roundup thing for with some amount of, I guess, quote-unquote authority would be anime. But I think I watched, I mean, I, like, in terms of, like, actually anime anime, I have think I watched an episode I've watched more anime than you, and while some shows this year I was really glad about, there was usually some disappointing element to them a lot of the time, and yeah. then some I just flat out disagree with people on. Like, I've gotten into arguments with Korra about that bunny senpai thing. Yeah, he is. He is fucking ride or die with that series. Yeah, and I think it's sort of, it comes down to how you view... Well, actually, we'll talk about that as in the show. So, you want me to should we just start, or do you want to? Yeah, just hop right in. All right, you want me to go first since yeah. you've got the big thing or something? Yeah, I, I did not. So, I have a series we talk about probably at the end of the show that I did not feel deserved me writing its name down. Ah, one of those. So I listed it. So I listed it in my notes as fucking chickens. I see. And we'll get to what that is. All right. 
Anyway, um, so just to quickly go off that, what I said earlier, um, okay, so you know, you know the Monogatari series, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've watched some of it. I have been meaning to get back to watch all of it. It's just, it's a bit much. Yeah. Like I've described that series before, I believe on here as like prime anime. Yeah, well, we riffed the first season of of mainline Bakemono on the site. I thought. Yeah, we did. It could be. Which, if you want to hear Dead Man's thoughts and my general lacking of giving a shit about it, uh, go to DestralProds dot com. Whatever. The reason I bring up Monogatari is <laughs> the reason I bring up Monogatari is that its lead represents a type of character that I tend to despise. Okay. Which is um, the guy, the full of himself, snarky bastard who is allowed to get away with behaving in ways that women would consider reprehensible and still have them be hot for him because he's smarter than them. Yeah, hell, he acts in ways that are reprehensible that, like, society would look down on him for because he assaults that child. Yeah. And I feel like, um, maybe not to quite the same extent, but I feel like the main male lead in Bunny Senpai can fall into this other category. And I had this discussion with with Cora after the first episode, where he Cora thought that the main guy was funny, and I wanted to punch him in the face. Yeah, I I haven't seen any of this series, but the one thing I did see it was a clip of from the show of him like outsmarting a outsmarting his way out of getting his ass beat. Yeah, he's. He, he does that occasionally, and then sometimes he says something so reprehensible that he still gets his ass beat anyway. Like in the first episode when um, his best friend's girlfriend gets mad at him for uh, hanging out with his best friend. And his, response, his, his just flat-out response is, oh, you're on your period, right? Ugh. <laughs> just, ugh. Yeah, and there's a lot of shit like that. And there's this there's this problem that I haven't discussed with Cora because I'm afraid to broach the subject. Because <laughs> so the series is a complicated mess because on the one hand, um, the unique visualizations of these like youthful pa- of these like powers manifest due to uh, teenage angst issues and how they like our metaphors for the problems you're experiencing is well done and the problems that these girls are dealing with are very relevant issues for like uh, unfair social pressures or casual sexism or just general misogyny in society and it's good to have characters addressing these issues but at the same time I feel like it's kind of... It, I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but sometimes the messenger is just as important as the message. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I find it kind of difficult 
to sometimes get behind the message of this series when it's being delivered by a casual sexist prick mansplaining these issues to the women. Yeah, like, I, I was going to say, like, you, like, with, with what you mentioned before about, like, his, like, like, like with the, like, with the like, casual misogyny thing is, like, like, so we, he's the main, so, yeah, the main character is someone who just simply says, as, like, says to the woman, is like, oh, you're freaking out, you must be on your period. And then he's supposed to be, like, the hero of the world or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of hard to give a message about, hey, don't do misogyny. And then immediately turn around and go, hey, what's up, bitch on the rag? Yeah. And I I feel like at some point I'm going to have to discuss this issue with Cora because he's such a huge fan of it. But I just, I can't get behind this asshole. And the fact that he's the main character, it's it kind of makes what should be at least an okay show kind of insufferable. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's entirely fair. And if you ever do bro test something with Cora, bring a microphone. Cause I'm gonna want that shit. Uh, onto a slightly less, uh, onto a, onto a positive subject before I go into just weird territory. Um, I, I got caught up on, um, reincarnated as a slime. Okay. The manga or the anime? Uh, both. Okay. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> I like it okay. There's aspects of it that are kind of dumb and frustrating that I don't think it's ever going to... That they're just kind of baked into the fabric of it that I don't think they're ever going to fix. Okay. Uh, such as... Fan service and love triangle shit. Mm, yeah, that's it's kind of baked into the genre almost. Yeah, but it feels like it's even more unnecessary. It's even more distracting here because the character is such that he is not a character who is physically in any way capable of pursuing a sexual relationship with any person. Yeah, thing. it's the really weird. Yeah, that it it is a bit it is a bit in Congress like the idea of a love triangle and everyone wanting to fuck basically the insert for basically a like the shit that is inside of like therapeutic wraps. Yeah. It's like, "Oh yeah, I want to fuck a jelly bean. That's fucking awesome." Yeah, and also just <laughs> The general fan serviness of literally almost every female character is getting a little distracting, and I think it might be worse. It's no, it's definitely worse in parts of the anime because. <laughs> um, okay, so I don't, Cora might have mentioned this to you. I don't know, but uh, the episode we both agree is the worst is uh, episode four, which for you for your sake in the timeline was when uh, Rimuru went to first went to the Dwarven Kingdom to find someone to help build houses and stuff. and stuff. Oh, yeah, the Hostess Bar. The, yeah. Yeah, so all that was accomplished in Episode 4 was Rimuru met Kaijin. Well, like, he got, he, got, he got to the Dwarven City, got thrown in prison for five minutes, 
helped the dwarves, met Kaijin, uh, made the Magisteel things, hung out in a titty bar. Yeah. That's 20 minutes. <laughs> and that titty bar keeps coming back every once in a while. It's like when you don't expect yeah. it, all of a sudden just they're back there. Yeah, and and that one and that aspect kind of baffles both me and Cora because it, elves don't really appear anywhere else in the series, but it, it seems to be I, I think this must be like one of those it doesn't matter to the character, it matters to the writer things. Yeah. Because while he does occasionally have like an uh elf thing on his face, it's it's not like anything he brings up regularly and it's, there's no regular elf characters. So it feels like the elves are just fan service and particularly oddly specific fan service. Since, and what I mean by that is every time he thinks of elves, he always thinks of something from either dragon quest or record of Lotus war. Yeah. Like so specifically like, okay, that's clearly just a reference and he did it for tits. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, uh, it, uh, like I I can. It would be a bit less like just it would be a bit less. What's we're looking for here? Objectionable, I guess, if there was like a regular elven character, or we had any kind of idea of what the state of elves were in the world. Yeah, or if there was any interest on the part of the writer of pursuing a romantic relationship of any kind. Yeah, but it's but it's not elves. <laughs> Just exist for tits, and those tits are meaningless, except we get to see the slime blush. Yeah. And see it's and it's actually more distracting with the with the Oni. Yeah, yeah. That that that's a whole other fetish. <laughs> like the super obsessive big tits in a pantsuit. That is there are at there are at least a thousand porns about that where it's where that is the main thing. Yeah, and I feel and I feel like this is kind of the problem throughout all of reincarnated as a slime. It 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 both has a story and a world that transcends the basic tropes of isekai, but at the same time is trapped by a lot of its the, a lot of the genre's most objectionable tropes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the, the guy, the guy, the guy who's writing this knows what the isekai is, knows knows how to like kind of skirt around the idea of the, a lot of the ideas of it, or just knows what to kind of poke fun at, except for the stuff that he likes about it, I guess. Yeah, like the like the stuff that doesn't matter to him, he will parody, but the stuff about isekai that he likes, he, he will just include haphazard. And so it, it creates this dissonance where everything else is being mocked except for this. And I'm just like, well, that's kind of the dumbest part. Why are you still including that? Oh, oh, you just want tits. <laughs> yeah, because he's drawing it one-handed. Yeah. But I mean, there's lots of funny shit in it. Uh, the most recent episode just got to... Um, what... I can't tell. Sometimes I like this kind of character. Sometimes it's one of my anime pet peeves. The the pompous moron. Yeah. Is that the lizard folk? Yeah, Gabiru. Yeah, yeah. He the the one who assumed the that Gobta the short little 
uh, Hobgoblin was the leader of the of the Goblin Horde and not Rimuru. And Gobta still kicked his ass. Yeah, he Gobta's becoming a he he became a really weirdly pre- prevalent character. Yeah. Well, just, uh, just like what? just like a lot of the like a lot of like the big a lot of like the big like goblin power up things beyond just the naming. A lot of that happens because of Gabuto. Well, like, like them being able to summon the wolves, a lot of like the fighting capabilities of the goblins, that a lot comes from Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not him. I'm not shitting on Gabuto as a character. I'm just saying that Gabuto's an idiot. Oh no, yeah, he's a fucking moron. Yeah, and that That um, ends up almost killing his entire race. Yeah, and based on what Korra has told me, a lot of the like kind of story of the day antagonists in Reincarnated as a Slime have this thing of sort of understandable human flaws that they kind of that the story works them around, like uh, the guy the the Kaijin's old buddy from the Dwarven village who was so obsessed with trying to please the king that he fucked himself and everyone else over. Or uh, Vesta or something like that. Yeah, no, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And once that that desire to please royalty thing disappeared, he became a much better person. And same with Gabi. Once someone smacked him across the face and told him to shut the fuck up, he became a better person. I get that that's where this tends to go. It's just that that quality of writing keeps smacking up against the tropes that the writer keeps including. <laughs> uh-huh. No, I got where you're coming from. But yeah, um, I like it generally. Uh, the action animation in the anime is okay. Uh, it's not as... <laughs> I will say, I'm, I'm, I don't want you to rage shit again. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not disappointing like Goblin Slayer. Oh boy. Which I have problems both with the original manga and much more with the anime, but that that's a tale for another day. <laughs> um This I mostly like. Uh, I'm not quite as big on Rimuru as a character as some other people are. I see why he's charming, but he's one of those characters who I think he works best with he works best when he's trying to be funny and the show acknowledges that he's not funny. Yeah. I think he works best for me he works best as a slime. It's just they like I don't know if they've done it in the anime yet but like they have like they're like there's there's promotion art fucking he eventually gets the ability to turn oh, to a where person. he where he eats where he eats the girl and then he can swarm a uh, form a uh, uh, Assume, assume her a, form. A humanoid form. Yeah. Like, I... When, when given a face, I... And, like, like, given, like, more human-ish fucking everything, he becomes a lot less interesting of a character to me. Yeah. Because at that point, he's just another Eskai protagonist. Yeah. Well, I mean... And this is something they brought up, but it feels like they haven't remarked on at all. that The fact that his humanoid form is androgynous that it's both kind of male and kind of female yeah and he remarked on it once but it's never been marked remarked on again yeah because it doesn't so really it feels matter like, yeah so it's kind of pointless in the grand scheme of things except for 
random plot reveals of people are like, you son of a bitch, you ain't our master. <laughs> yeah. And also reinforce the fact that he can't fuck. Yeah, which again just reinforces then why is there so much fan service? <laughs> yeah. There's fan service because when the slime blushes, it is cool. Look at the blushing yeah. slime. Don't you want to say the plushy? Uh, yeah. Buy our fucking merch, I guess. Yeah, whatever. I I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, um, I like it okay. I'm not as rabid on it as a lot of people are, but it's okay. Yeah, it feels it feels like a, just what we mentioned earlier about not this being not a great year for anime. It's like this seems to be one of the better received things of the season, and that might just be why like like they like just. It has been just kind of nothing but like middle well, of the road for most of the year, and yeah, then all of a sudden it comes also, out and it is passable. But we also got another season of SAO that people like, and I'm like, <laughs> what is wrong with you people? <laughs> is that that alkalization one or whatever? Alicization or something? The one Fuck where it, the, I don't care, where, man. Um, I, I don't I don't care either. I'm just mentioning it because I wanted it as an excuse to say I was the one where the guy who created SAO, Reki Kawahara, had to apologize to the voice actors for making them film an explicit rape scene. Oh Christ. <laughs> what the fuck is that guy's problem? I don't know. Good God. Anyway, anything else? Uh, not about uh, in, in, uh, reincarnated as a slime. I do have a couple of Netflix did what? Alrighty then. Which I'm always weird. It's always weird when one of these comes up because <laughs> I feel like it, to the most to a certain extent they're not even mentioned in like where we look for anime promotional stuff. Like we don't even hear about them. Oh yeah, they no, just I, appear. Yeah, every time Netflix releases a new anime series, I'm like, wait, fucking, what is this? When did this happen? <laughs> Why am I just hearing about this now? Yeah. Because, like, a lot of the things they're doing, like, it would be understandable if it was like, yeah, so we released this new net, we released this new fucking anime on Netflix. It's from some studio you've never heard of based on a manga you've never heard of or an original idea from somebody who's never really done anything except for, like, a segment of some other fucking show. Yeah, like, but, but I, I would be okay with never hearing... I would be okay with hearing with not hearing about. Hey, want to hear about our new anime, Sword Guy, the animation? <laughs> yeah, if it was, if it if it was just like some low key thing that like nobody's ever heard of, and it's like, yeah, okay, we're getting some new anime stuff. That'd be that'd be one thing. But a lot of the stuff that's coming out from them are from pretty big name studios. Yeah. Like, uh, this first one, it's not from a studio, or it might be from a studio, I can't remember, but it's, uh, Last Hope, uh, directed by Shoji Kawamori, who, I don't know if you know who that is, but, uh, he's basically, he's the guy that's allowed to do almost whatever he wants in the anime industry, because he's one of the, the, he's the guy who created the only mech franchise that can compete with Gundam, Macross. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. 
Ah, oh, fucking. I should like, like he's been working since the late '80s, and he just occasionally does shit like in the '90s when he, had, you know, I want to make a a show kind of like Gundam, but it's set in like uh, a far eastern medieval setting with like scrying and shit and angels. Yeah, and everyone's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> and it became a beloved cult classic. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, fucking Macross started as a fucking Gundam fan club. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so this last hope thing, uh, there are mechs because it's Shoji Kawamori. Naturally. But, um, it's like, I don't want to be known as only Macross guy. I need some other mechs. Yeah. But the series itself is a weird hodgepodge of shit. Like, like, and this is going to involve some references that I, I know you're on the video games podcast, but some of them might not mean anything to you. I don't know. Uh, so this is a post-apocalyptic world where um, animals are, have merged with machines. Okay. And they like they still act and move like like animals, but they're also have lots of machine bits, like in uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. But the cause of it wasn't like a human weapon. It was an attempt at creating a new form of energy, which caused a a mutation wave across the entire planet, which started merging human shit and animal shit with machine shit. Yeah, because that's which a, led to both. Because yeah, a mutation is spontaneously growing a processor, I guess. Sure. Well, I mean, and this this is a joke. Um, uh, this is a joke. I now apparently have to keep using from Ant Man and the Wasp. They, the thing that they caught that caused it was called a quantum engine, and uh, of course, an Ant Man and Wasp say, "Are you guys just putting quantum in front of things and saying that as a new technology?" Yeah. And it keeps happening too because that uh, Peter Jackson ish movie that just came out, Mortal Engines, apparently was the result of quantum weapons. <laughs> Christ. The thing I remember the, I remember that first trailer for fucking Mortal Engines and I was like, "Oh, this looks kind of interesting. It looks like it looks like fucking it look it reminds me of Gargantia and I liked Gargantia." But then the more and more I see of it, I'm just like, "Oh, this is going to be dog shit." Yeah. Well, when I first saw the trailers, I didn't know it was a YA adaptation. So that thing he's like, oh, no, never mind. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing. Like, like the fucking giant fucking Wild Wild West robot spider cities. It seemed like too interesting an idea to be a YA thing to me when I first, like, looked at it. Yeah. But then, oh, well, yeah, it's a YA thing. Though. And the characters have the giant scar across their face. Then we see it. Yeah. It's just like a beauty mark. And to be fair, the books were made at a time before a lot of the the cash-in books for the YA craze. Before the dirge. Yeah. But at the same time, the movie itself... That's some YA bullshit. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, I don't really like this thing, (laughs) because it. I love Shoji Kawamori, and his design sense is weird and insane. Like, when he... 
it has a lizard crawl on a rock and open its eye and it like shoots out a telescopic lens to look for food and then goes about its day. <laughs> so, yeah, it sounds pretty. It sounds pretty cool, actually. So yeah, all that visual stuff is entertaining, but it's just it's a bunch of weird, dumb tropes, and its tone is all over the place. Like you, you so you've got a post-apocalyptic setting with like ruined cities. And, like, little conclaves of humanity that have to go out and search for food and supplies amongst these uh, giant groups of robot animal monsters. But then you have this guy just out in the waste trying to make a new quantum engine and just constantly blowing shit up. And he's like, oh, so what went wrong that time? Eh, I don't know. Gotta try again. And to where everyone was like, would you please do your job? He's like, no, I don't want to. Yeah, if you excuse me, I need a plot to happen to me. Yeah. I ain't gonna sit around and be no I fucking want... farmer. And unfortunately, this this guy who's being an asshole feels like the main character. Unfortunately, so I was like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> yeah, of course he is. Like I said, he's waiting for plot to happen to him. Yeah, I might watch another episode or two. Just give it a chance because I have found largely that a lot of series I really like have had really bad first episodes. Like, for example, Reincarnated as a Slime's first episode is really, really bad. It's like super clunky and full of exposition and it just keeps explaining shit for 20 minutes. Man, the more which was a problem. Every time I go into pro- the, every time I go into one of these shows, I'm just like, man, I don't watch enough anime. I need to, I need to remedy that. And then we get in and start talking about it and I'm like, "Oh, this is why I don't watch that much anime anymore." Yeah. And to be fair, another problem with Reincarnated as a Slime as a manga is that uh, it should not be read in individual chapters. Because the pacing is awful. You kind of have to binge it. Yeah. I don't even know what its fucking release schedule is. Like, I I read... It seems to be, like, bi-monthly. But yeah, I that's Yeah, that's terrible for, what, for a series like this. Yeah. Like, I, I can't even remember the last time I read it. And I think it was fairly recently. Yeah. No, it's a very difficult to follow release schedule but anyway um yeah this thing is just it's visually interesting as everything shoji kawamori touches is it's just so far at least there's a dearth of reasons to give a shit okay all right so something i watched a little bit more of on netflix did what but that i'm still not sure if it's good or not because when i when I was asked about is it good or bad, my response was it's stupid. <laughs> so they asked then, does that mean it's good or bad? I said, I don't know, it's stupid. Because, okay. So this is from Studio Piero, who apparently had a resurgence with the, apparently the still ongoing Black Cover anime that apparently is keeping their coffers full so that they can do Fucking shit like somehow. This. <laughs> Hey, you like Black Clover. Yeah, the manga. The anime is a piece of shit. Like, you'd think if they had... You'd think if, like, Black Clover was keeping their coffers full, they'd be able to afford an actual voice actor to voice the main character. And not Not whatever person from their art department decided he could scream the goodest. (sighs) Yeah, a guy at work was trying to tell me it gets good after 20 episodes. I'm like, no. That's not good. 
fuck, yeah, a lot of things are good after you just beat yourself to death with it more for like fucking four hours. Yeah, and I mean, I'm willing to give episode shows an episode, a couple of episodes to get things going, but not, I, I can't really do the it gets good after like 20 hours or so thing anymore. I yeah. just, Don't worry, I man, it gets really it. good in the second season. Just suffer through that first one, you're fine. Oh, yeah. God. Anyway, um, okay, so the series is called Hero Mask. Okay, I've seen art for this one. Yeah. And, as I said, it's very dumb, because its premise is that it's a hard-boiled British cop show, or, like, a, it's like a police procedural thriller involving, um... Origami paper masks that give people superpowers. Okay. Like, is, is, is that main, it, or is there, is there like an actual plot, or is it just hey, here's this world people get powers? I don't know. There, there is a plot. Uh, our main character, whose name is James Blood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And then there's this, and then there's this antagonist, Frank Death. Um, he arrested. It, okay, this is a problem with the first episode. They don't establish well that there's a time jump after the first section, where the main character uh, chases a criminal into the Thames and like saves him, but still arrests him at the end of the day. Uh, they don't establish that after that three years have passed, and that we see people getting ready for a birthday party for one of the uh, lead prosecutors uh, when we're, we cut to a random building blowing up and people walking out of it from what looks like coffins. Uh, and um, we then cut to uh, the, the lady who is who, we, who knows our main character... And the other main character, the assistant prosecutor, Sarah. Uh, and they meet, see each other as they're crossing the street leaving work. And then suddenly the lead prosecutor collapses in the street and dies of apparent heart failure. Oh, no. But of course, it's murder. Murder, Just, you say? But no one can tell how. Uh, I, can I guess? <laughs> Was it mask powers? Yeah. I assume. They don't show it <laughs> as far as I've watched, but it's... Assumed. Yeah. Then uh, we cut to... Okay, so the first thing we see these masks do is give you the ability to change your face at will into anything you want. So you would assume that if you had this ability... Um, you would use it for stealth and not flaunt it every chance you get. Yeah, like... Like, shape-shifting as a power is not really one that you should really broadcast that much. Yeah, whereas the idiot who's using the mask in this first episode um, goes up, it walks into the police station looking for our main character, uh, greets the lady at the secretary desk, at the... At the front, at the front desk, and then just turns his face into hers in front of her. Okay. 
Why? I don't know, because he's crazy? <laughs> and apparently stupid? <laughs> because, like, all sense of, like, I guess maybe he wasn't that interested in stealth, since at this point a, a gunfight breaks out in the in the uh, front of the police station in which 20 or 30 cops are killed or injured fighting this guy because he just keeps popping around the front area, changing faces and changing clothes and stabbing people. And it's just kind of ludicrous. So with the shapeshifter, does it only change his face or like, does it change his clothes too? Uh, it can't change. No, he can't change his clothes. It can change his, all of his physiology, but just, but not clothes he's wearing. Okay, yeah, I'm just, I am picturing something real stupid. Well, yeah, it is. We're, we're just like, like he's going around, it's like, all right, I gotta change to this outfit. All right, I gotta change to this fucking, all right, I'm this person, I changed to this cop then. Fuck, I'm not wearing cop clothes. Well, better just fucking spend five minutes or like however fucking long it takes putting on the cop uniform in the middle of a gunfight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are moments like that. Or does he pull off some impressive quick changes? He does pull off some impressive quick changes. He seems to change from, I don't know, punk biker dude to um, officer of the law in about 30 seconds. Man, that's stupid in two directions. I know. Because one, that's not nearly enough time to actually change clothes like that, and two, that is not nearly fast enough to be a, to be an actual quick change. <laughs> quick changes are you run behind a fucking car and then pop out like four, like two seconds later. Yeah, but movies aren't that well, great. Watch Sky High. There's literally a class on it. Like, like I said, um, I can't tell if this is good or bad. It's just stupid because. On the one, because, and I think this is like a failure of story matching with tone, because when you're going for like this somewhat intense, gritty police thriller, you can't keep doing this like wackadoo shit with magic masks. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you just have to have a very deft hand while doing it. Yeah. I mean, fuck, I look suppose. at Roger Rabbit. I'm sorry. Yeah, not, yeah who framed Roger Rabbit? Fair enough. As a noir story, literally with cartoons. Yeah. And I would most... I'm trying to remember who made this. I can't remember the studio name or anything about it. But... Um, Piero Masca, yeah, it's Piero. You said that at the start. Well, yeah, I remember that the studio, I just I couldn't remember if anyone of note directed or made us... Uh, so it was written and directed by uh, Hiroyasu Aoki, who, as far as I could tell, was a storyboard artist and assistant director in some Hunter 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 stuff. Okay. So, not... I guess that explains why some of the action kind of looks good, despite the fact that it's being Piero, so it's kind of cheap. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, this is... I want to either hate it or like it, but it doggedly refuses to pick one or the other. Because at one hand, there's enough characterization, and you like the two leads, Sarah and James, enough. Like, I, I sort of assumed, given the way he was acting and 
the the name they went with that he was going to be kind of like a James Bond esque character, but no, he's actually like mostly a good cop. Just they they pretty much do the the cop movie thing of you 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 don't play by the rules and you constantly get shit in trouble, but you get shit done. You lose cannon blood. Turn and in your badge and your cool. gun. Uh, and he's got a name for a, a bad cop action movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fuck, man. That is... That is some Cobra-level yeah. naming. Yeah, and I mean, the guy who shows up at the police station to to kill him with the mask on, his name's Jeremiah Grimm. What was that you cut out for a second there? Sorry. So, uh, the the name of the crazy dude that shows up looking for him to kill him at the police station's name is Grim. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeremiah Grim. That sounds like someone from the Clone Saga. <laughs> he teamed up with Judas Traveler. <laughs> Oh God! See, so, so you see why I'm like I can't decide if it's bad or good. Yeah, I'm gonna need to check this out for myself to see if I can get a read on it. Yeah, I've only watched the first three episodes. As of the last episode, um, they pulled a stupid play things out of order thing where um, at they at the end of the second episode they have one of the bat because of course there's a criminal organization creating these masks to for world domination. Um they have yeah, one naturally. of the agents. I mean you want to take uh, up the world, give with, give random people superpowers. That's that makes yeah. sense, right? Yeah. And, and oh I forgot to mention other other stupid uh bad action movie thing. The company doing this is called the Life Corporation. <sighs> Just No no I'm I'm sorry, live so so you see what I mean like in some ways it's good stupid in some ways it's bad stupid yeah I need to check that for myself I (laughs) I don't know what direction I'm supposed to be feeling in this yeah and that's my problem with this it's not bad it's not bad enough or good enough for me to tell one way or the other if I like it or hate it but it's it's interesting enough that I watched the first three episodes. I'll say it like that, okay? Yeah, that's something. <laughs> and now, um... Now for the ringer. <sighs> okay. I can do this. Um, so, I don't think you can. So, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was a week or two, I can't, uh, uh, recently, I, po- I posed a hypothetical to dead man on Viber. My hypothetical was, um, let me see if I can bring it up so I can read it properly. Sorry, this is bad podcasting. Yeah, just us going through phones. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. What if a Japanese mangaka tried to write a manga about the Justice League with no knowledge of the DC universe beyond what Dan DiDio told them. Yeah. And I was just getting some, like, imagine Stan Lee shit, but made by someone with brain damage. 
Yeah. Just about. So this is Batman and the Justice League. Okay, then. And <laughs> this thing. <sighs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to list elements of this thing's construction and explain and you can kind of probably guess from that why they are bad. Yeah. Uh, so this is, well, for one, it's called Batman and the Justice League because, you know, Batman's better than them. Um, yeah, Batman's the best hero. Uh, and in a book called Batman and the Justice League, um, only one other Justice Leaguer has shown up in the first volume. Okay, well, that's it's disconcerting. Ju- just just Superman, and they kind of mention that Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Aquaman, and Cyborg exist in the Flash. Uh, which is particularly weird because um, the last thing we see in the end of the first volume is Batman fighting Ocean Master. <laughs> okay. Who is was apparently in prison under under the sea. Because, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Just, I'm kind of already, I'm kind of already like not on board with this. Just kind of from the jump, because, like, even when they are writing things that are very much inspired by Western comics and stuff, Japanese like creators, they seem to have a very specific like kind of direction going at it, which is fucking put a kid in there. Oh, speaking of which, okay, uh, the which main ca- the a- the actual main character of this, uh, Aramiya Rui, uh, is a Japanese ninja who is the son of scientist parents whose parents came to Gotham for a special um, uh, clean energy experiment that apparently went awry and the factory exploded and the parents have not been seen since. D- d- okay. So they're clay he face? shows up. Hmm? They're clayface then? I don't know. Uh no, um, at least not both of them. <laughs> uh Joker stuck the mom in a vat of stuff he called Gaia juice to create a chemical he calls Gaia juice, which to the best of my understanding, steals people's knowledge and emotions to make them like mindless husks. Wasn't that the Riddler's plan from Batman Returns? Maybe. Except you used a blender on top of your TV. Kind of, maybe. But it's also related to unlocking the power of the ley lines that govern the powers of the Earth. (sighs) Man, I... also... it, It gets worse. No, I I know it does. Like I've never read yeah. it, but I know it does. Uh, the Joker is Lex Luthor's front man. <sighs> like apparently, the idea seems to be that Joker rules Gotham, but he's also the criminal front for all of Lex's illegal activities. 
because they're like equal partners trying to rule the world. Yeah, yeah. Not since BVS have I seen such well have I seen such well recognized characterization of these fan favorite characters. <laughs> Y'all motherfuckers want a Jolly Rancher? Yeah. And there's a lot of just random DC stuff. Like, I have no idea where this supposedly is supposed to take place in the timeline. Because, okay, so this this book came out this year. But it was commissioned at the tail end of 2015, beginning of 2016. So it came out in 2018, but looks like New 52. Uh, of course. You know, and also, the best idea. Yeah, and also apparently Jason Todd just died. But yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> this just all sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> like fuck, I again I don't want to be that fucking asshole, but like if I was writing it. <laughs> <laughs> if I was raping it. <laughs> yeah, fuck, man. Just. Just. Yo. Fuck who's there, man. Just like, just like fucking. Have it be like some. Have it be like, have, like, hey, we got fucking Justice League manga. And it's about fucking either like a Japanese branch of the Justice League or the new Justice League after the old ones fucking died or whatever. Yeah. Like fucking. Like don't like if if you I I looked up a bit and yeah like if if, the, if you're doing a fucking like commissioned hack job or whatever then you know you can't really do much with it but if it, if this was a person who was like hey I like the fucking Justice League I want to do a manga about him do something else don't just be like hey I like comics what if I did this comic book mangas fucking yeah. tell your own story using that shit as a fucking bouncing off, like a fucking like launching platform. Yeah. And just, okay. So in something like this, what would usually save it for me is the art, but, um, the art's fine. It's just the design sensibilities are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See if I can. I've looked up some art for it. Yeah, I've, I've looked up some for it. Yeah, yeah, but the worst is the Joker. I believe it is a drawn by a Shiro Teshirogi. Yeah, who also wrote it. And I looked up her record, and uh, I, she has not, um, as far as I can tell, written anything except this. She's just done art, and specifically art for Saint Seiya, which. If I was to pick an artist from Japan who I would want to do Justice League shit, it would not be the people responsible for Saint Seiya. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying to look up shit. I'm only able to find really small images of the Joker, but he don't look great. Yeah. Like, they're trying to do... So I think they're trying to do a pretty boy version of the Heath Ledger Joker with, like, the Glasgow grin. And it's yeah. just stupid looking. <laughs> yeah, especially like the way the, they're, especially the way the per, like this person's doing the makeup on them. Yeah, 
Because it's, it's not like it's not like very well defined or anything. It's just kind of a light speckling around the fucking face. Yeah. Oh, and also, uh, while she's not in this volume, apparently she's going to be in later volumes. Harley Quinn is apparently just that chick from Death Note. Ooh. Was it Misa? Yeah. I'm just like, oh no. <laughs> and I think I think they know that um the character design stuff changed a lot between when this book was conceived and when it finally came out because at the end of the book they have both Wonder Woman uh New 52 look and Wonder Woman Rebirth look in the <laughs> concept art. <laughs> So I feel like there must have been a moment where they, dis- they discovered while they were making this that this was going to be a bad idea. <laughs> but they kept going with it anyway. Or like Teshirogi just like sealed themselves off in a room with just like scribbling away, doing all the shit, you know, killing themselves as all manga could do. Yeah. And, and also it's like, the- and it's like, it's like, all right, I need to take a hospital break before I do this. Wait, they fucking changed everything. What the shit? Why did anyone tell me? Yeah, and also the 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 interview with the artist and writer from the back of the book doesn't fill me with a lot of hope because when she was asked, "Do you have any difficulty drawing DC characters?" her response was, "They all possess such massive levels of power that they can do anything. So it's a challenge to come up with ideas and scenes to depict their powers." Ugh. Great. I can yeah, only assume this book then turned out so fucking amazing. Yeah. I feel like saying volume one on this is somewhat uh, <laughs> somewhat generous, thinking there could be another volume of this. <laughs> Particularly, and I'm not sure about this woman's career, considering uh, you know how most of the time with writers they have kind of like a bio of other stuff they've done or what they're the pursuits in the industry are yeah. to kind of make you want to look at other stuff. Uh, the last line of her bio says she lives for her pet cats and has started practicing fitness techniques. Oh, honey. <laughs> yeah. So this is just a almost pathetic kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it. So yeah, uh, that's all I have to say about that. Horse shit. Uh, <laughs> man. Alrighty then. So I got some stuff before fucking chickens. Okay. Let's talk about pumpkin scissors. Oh, I've read that. Well, I've read and watched it. I prefer reading it. Yeah. So pumpkin scissors is a military series, I guess. Yeah. Let's. Uh, well, specifically, it follows a military unit whose job is. Uh, essentially, uh, anti uh, anti military war crimes and yeah, it's war like, relief. War relief for uh, uh, vi- either veterans or civilians. Yeah. So set in fictional fucking... fictional post World War One Germany, basically. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's been it's been a bit of a time since that war ended, and so we have. Fucking military intelligence section three pumpkin scissors who are out there trying to do their best war effort stuff with a lieutenant who is real gung ho about the vague idea of justice. 
uh, as they're going through doing their stuff, uh, they end up meeting a they end up meeting a fucking former soldier who was part of a unit that doesn't exist. And he is built like a brick shit house. And he fights tanks hand to hand. Yeah, no, his whole thing is he was trained and given weapons, essentially designed and in, in his whole the the thing that plays in his head whenever he goes into battle is just die, basically. Yeah. So he walks towards a tank armed with nothing but a single shot 13 millimeter pistol that's designed to armor pierce. Yeah, and it only works uh, at fucking point blank range. Yeah. Like even even in the series, the guy who designed the weapon said it's such an impractical design. Who the fuck would use this thing? Yeah, it's like yeah, we built this fucking gun. It can pierce through tanks. But you have to be fucking touched them. That's fucking retarded. I I don't know what I was thinking. Cocaine's a hell of a drug, kids. Because he goes out there with that with that uh, bolt cutters uh, and a and a lantern. Yeah, yeah, and a lantern, which. Yeah, the lantern ties into a myth about these guys about the anti-tank unit. Yeah, the, they're like the will of the wisps. When you see the blue light in the midnight, in midnight, you're fucked. Yeah, and yeah, it kind of is because, but because like normally he is a very, he's a very affable guy. Like he is a bit, he's a bit awkward and shy about stuff. But he is also, but he's like a kind of a goober. Yeah, kind of a goober. But the second he turns that fucking thing on, it is murder. Yeah, which. I feel which th- this is this is a bit later stuff, but it has been a bit since those chapters were released, so I can feel like I can get into it just fine. Yeah, he's had mind altering brain surgery and like indoctrination to the point where he is now programmed to murder. He will murder just kind of on a whim, and he especially has a chip or some kind of shit in his brain that when he activates that light, it sends out a signal that turns him into a murder machine. Yep, and like the. It was kind of being reinforced because the woman that he was going to for like medical checkups at the war hospital was one of the women was one of the scientists who perfected this technology in the first place. So she was kind of just reinforcing the shit that he had already been through. Yeah. And it also doesn't help that she had she herself has someone else's brain in her head. Yeah. Yeah, this is real dumb proto-Nazi science. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so the series is largely following... The series just follows pumpkin scissors trying to... Like, dealing with war criminals, dealing with abuses of power from both the military and various people in the government, as well as powerful civilians. Yeah. And... Just tr- and just trying to... And, fo- and focusing on the development of this care... Of fucking... I, Sergeant Orland, Oland, Corporal. Yeah, it's Corporal. Corporal Oland, our kind of main anti-tank guy, and then the Lieutenant, as they develop a relationship because they naturally do. That is what fuck you, you fucking know. That. Yeah, which is which is funny because she's like four foot six and he's seven foot two. <laughs> yeah, it's also really great because uh, they so. In a, in a move that in a move that gave me a that gave the series a bunch of fucking points in my book, then she just had it straight up admit that he loved her. Yeah, and just seeing and just seeing her reaction to it, like I'm like she's talking to she's talking to a, one of the fucking terrorists because like, like at this point like a terrorist unit had 
basically basically taken over the country. Yeah, and we're like spreading um, uh, dissent and hate amongst the population, essentially. <laughs> yeah, Hoping yeah, for they had rest. Yeah, they, they 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 seek to the end of the empire because the the, the country they were in is is referred to as the empire, and it was that it was that essentially what was the UN, and they had taken basically every unit every single like member of the UN hostage, and so yeah. and so they and so they just wanted all this shit, which would either which would either reveal a huge secret about the government about the empire. Which would then lead to them being destroyed because they would have broken a treaty at the end of the war, or it would have led to them having to release every single one of their patents because they were the most technologically advanced kind of nation in the world. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if they did that, then everyone else would be able to use their fucking shit without having to pay them, at which point they would lose all their resources and the nation would be essentially just dissolve. Batch it all around. But then Olin gets on the, gets on the radio to Lieutenant and just says, hey, I love you. And just seeing her reaction of not being able to process emotion, really. Specifically, that's really like a romantic emotion because she'd spent in her entire life just, I'm going to be a soldier. Justice, dog. So she hasn't really thought about love at all. And then just seeing that reaction and seeing, I think, essentially one of the, like one of the, primary antagonistic factions in the military just seeing this happen and going oh fuck are you all right fuck bandages you're bleeding everywhere and everybody else just freaking the fuck out because they can't believe what's actually happening like the terrorists are going what the fuck is going on meanwhile people at fucking military hq are saying hey can we fucking record this for later hey, i think it was fucking great just the way they handled it, the fact that they fucking did it. And and speaking of that immaturity, it actually felt like the writer of this series got more mature as they were writing it. Yeah, because early on it had a lot of the tro- the tropes of like a fantasy action series from the early 2000s. Like as a sign of how, because this manga is still updating as a sign of people, how long this manga has probably been running. The original anime adaptation of this was in 2006. Yeah. And yeah, so, and, 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 and and so it was, it was a matter, it was a matter of also like, you know, the, like what you said, like started out as kind of a basic action fantasy thing as it slowly developed into more politics and war and shit, but also, I, I kind of see I kind of see this like Alice as kind of the author because it starts out and she is very and she is very much like I'm doing this for justice and then people constantly ask her hey what's justice and then she has no answer for it yeah or like her like charging guns blazing approach she keeps running into problems that a gung ho soldier spirit has no use for yeah like famine or disease or. <laughs> Yeah, like it's all great when there's like a villain, but when it comes to like actual infrastructure problems that arise when you uh, when you take when you fucking have a war, having having like a can do attitude can only do so much. But and it seems like she begins learning that. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That she starts learning that early on, and she just it, she starts learning a whole about a whole bunch of other things also. While yeah, and happening. it just compounds more and more and more, and it feels like a and it all culminates in this fucking radio call with the terrorists, where it. This has been one of the more interesting character arcs I've seen for a character in manga recently. Yeah. Of, of just seeing this person go from a really childish idea of what their job is to a more grounded and realistic version of what their job is to them realizing that they can still do their job while maintaining that kind of childlike wonder in what they want to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think... Uh as the way I've always talked about this kind of character dynamic, it's one on one end, one on the other end. We're both working towards the middle. Um, you have Oland, who is like such a burnout uh, wreck of a person who embraces that like whole bunch of shit's always necessary in war, but at the same time is like he wants to believe that there's some point to his actions. Yeah. That he's ju- not just a pointless killing machine. <laughs> yeah, and then and then meanwhile you have the lieutenant who is we must all, we must always uphold like the fucking true justice the American way da 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 Superman bullshit going to oh what I need to mean? fucking calm down a bit yeah and it fucking works it works really well uh, art wise the artist really gets a chance to shine whenever they do the whenever they get to really show off like. Oland to go in full murder machine. Yeah, that's when the tone of it works best, usually. Yeah, like, like dur- during the rest of it, it is a, it is very much a, it is very much a shonen series. It is like a lot of comedy stuff, a lot of, like, like there's, there's one character from the fucking Pumpkin Scissors unit who is just an anime character. Yeah, like she's and like she spent, like spent her time talking to a dog. Uh, she d- she tries to like choreograph cute dances for the squad to do in order to, like like hey yeah we're this squad we do this yeah whatever. Meanwhile, the leader of their squad is a man who who got the nickname Dismemberment from his time in the trenches. And the leader of military intelligence is just a burned person. Yep. Yeah it. And Alice's uh, initial um, rich guy fiance just screams anime bad guy. Yeah, which he is. Yeah, because he's part of a well, fucking. I mean, because you know, because like he's one mask away from being Char from Gundam, like that level of oh, you are the you are what everyone thinks of when they think of a, a anime bad guy in a war story. <laughs> Well, I mean, he is in line with the people who have the masks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so we're probably gonna get we're probably gonna see him in a mask soon. Yeah. And 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 yeah. So one of my one of my only real problems with it is they don't seem to have a lot of faith in their own world or like a lot of full understanding in their own world because they keep making references to stuff that don't exist in their world. Yeah. The. Like, the, the writer, like you said, like, he's getting more confident and getting more developed as he came up with this concept. I think a lot of it, it's like, even though he is growing as a writer, he's still not necessarily confident. Like, do, do you get what I'm talking about? Do, do you know? Can you tell what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, like uh, like multiple times they reference like Norse mythology, which because there's no North that doesn't exist, and also the fucking Judeo Christian Christian religion because the fucking UN Tower is specifically a reference to the Tower of Babel. Yeah, and they talk about yeah, so fucking and they use and use like the Tower of Babel as it's for like a, for like a point about the world that they're living in or something, which would be fine if this was a world where Judeo-Christian religion was a like a thing. But since this is like fantasy world with fantasy c- countries and fake shit, you, it's kind of hard to pull off that reference when the world that you're in doesn't support the reference. And the only real complaint yeah. I have about the series is the fucking logical gymnastics they had to go through to come up with the fuck to justify the name pumpkin scissors. Yeah, no, that's that always bothers me whenever they like they clearly just thought up the name of the series to have it be a, a catchy title to put on shelves, but then they have to justify it in story and it's always the stupidest shit. Yeah. Justification in this series is that war crimes and shit and the bad stuff left by the war is like the thick hide of a pumpkin. Yeah, I remember it was some dumb metaphor like that. And you need a way to cut through it. You need scissors to cut through the hide of a pumpkin. So that's what we are. Ah, oh, so dumb. The series itself, yeah, all incredibly solid. Yeah, no, I've always liked this series quite a bit. Yeah, I kind of flip flopped on whether or not I'd be actually reading it for a while before I decided, before I just finally decided to fucking take the dive, and then I binged it in two days. Yeah, sure. I can believe that. As long as you a chance, check it out. It's really fucking good. Uh, another series that has some potential uh, is Chainsaw Man. I heard about this. I didn't read it. Yeah, so I think it's like two chapters out now. And it's from the creator of Fire Punch. Okay, that can go one of two ways. Yeah, so uh so in this world there are demons. And there are demon hunters. Our main guy is homeless. And works as a demon hunter for the mafia because his dad ended up racking up fucking thousands of dollars in debts. The main we- the main weapon he uses to hunt demons is a dog chainsaw. Which is a demon that he met and is friends with. Sure. Yeah, so so they're going on jobs, doing whatever. Then the mafia decides, hey, kid, you're getting too fucking powerful. You're getting too fucking big for your britches. So turns out the mafia is demons, so die. So they get into a big fucking fuck-off thing. Uh, kid gets his fucking heart ripped out. So the dog, Chainsaw, becomes the guy's new heart and fuses into him, which then leaves a little drawstring coming out of his chest like a fucking Metal Gear character. When he revs that up, he then... His head turns into a chainsaw and his hands turn into chainsaws. Uh-huh. And then he continues to fight demons like that. I've only read the first chapter of it. And it is f- fine. Like it, it doesn't have the it doesn't have that initial like punch of like, it doesn't have that initial punch, but I'm tish of fire punch. 
it, it, it doesn't have the gut check reaction that Fire Punch gave you at the start. Yeah, like, like when I started reading Fire Punch, I, I was kind of immediately hooked because I... Like the world, I like the main. I like the main character in concept, not as like an actual character, because his main because char- his entire character thing it was, I'm going to kill you by punching you. That was basically it. Just this weird monolithic creature that just continued to trundle along, chasing after you like the fucking creature from It Follows. But it still had that gut check world that I totally bought into. And it made sense for a person like that to exist in that world. With this, it feels too generic. Mm. Like, even the fucking dog chainsaw thing. Like, while while the... (laughs) Like, while the idea of, I guess, a dog chainsaw is not a particularly, like, well-known out there one, the idea of, I'm gonna take something cute and put a chainsaw in it. I've fucking seen that a billion times. Yeah. And this fucking thing was built for plushies. I think his name's like Pocho. Yeah. I think his name's like Pochico or something. He literally looks like a stuffed animal. But with a chainsaw head. Yeah. And the guy's artwork doesn't doesn't Does Pochico fit. have to have to leave now because his his home planet needs him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the artwork for this fucking thing, too. Like, the guy's artwork. I, I like his art style. I like the scratchy, grittier style of his art. But it doesn't fit with the kind of energy the series is going for, which is going for a more frenetic, shonen style of action, kind of. Okay. Like, like, like when it shows him as, like, full chainsaw guy, just kind of standing there with the initial reveal, it looked pretty fucking great. It looked like a... It, it looked like a... Almost like an insert shot from an anime or something, but... Then we get the actual movement of everything else, and it is all just lines. It's like what it's like reading a fucking one drawn fight sequence. Oh dear. Just scratches fucking everywhere. And that worked for something like Fire Punch, because with Fire Punch, it was a much more methodical series. Like, yeah, they had flashy superpowers, but it wasn't flashy fight scenes. It was it was a lot of just shooting guns or like drawing lightning bolts into a ball of fire where there's a vague human shape inside. Fire Punch, despite the name, it was not a particularly flashy series, so the more mellow, grittier artwork to it worked a lot better. But they get into this, and it feels like it's going, like I said, for that more shonen battle energy to it, and it just doesn't have it because the guy, I don't think, can draw that super well. Yeah. So I don't see the series particularly like like latching on at least with me, like Fire Punch did for that for that initial few chapters, but it's not terrible. Like I I I find the main character sympathetic. I did feel something when that fucking dog died, but that's mainly because it was a fucking dog that died. Yeah, that's a usually a pretty big gut check reaction for most people. Yeah, and. And like, like the goal of them resonated with me in a way that I appreciate, like I, I could appreciate because their main thing was like, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to get it from this fucking thing. Their main thing was, hey, one day we're going to wake up and have fucking bread with jam on it. That, that was like their main dream goal of just, we're going to, we're going to get to a point in our lives where we can wake up and enjoy breakfast as a meal. 
as opposed to the regular breakfast, which is I wake up and eat the piece of pieces of bread that I have that aren't moldy. So yeah, it, if the series was drawn by someone else, like if, if this guy had like teamed up with a different artist, I think I would have a much better rea- I think I'd have a much better reaction to it than I'm currently having. Okay. But because he went with himself, that's kind of the biggest drawback for it. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, Dead Man, this might, I don't know how you'll react to this. I remember mentioning this to you before. Um, one of the manga that was picked as, that had good, as one of the worst of 2018, of tw- actually, of 2017, and going into 2018 was Fire Punch. And the reason a lot of people st- states um, stated as a reasoning for that is that they found, like, the overall, like, plot and tone of the series kind of repulsive so even if you don't agree with that assessment and from what i can tell from what you and other people have said a lot of people don't i think the writer might have recoiled as like okay let me try something a little safer for my next series yeah maybe actually keep it going and if that's the case that's kind of sad but yeah like he is this does feel like this guy kind of pandering a bit to the main shonen crowd and that's sad. I would have liked to see what this guy had done had he not gotten that reception to his original series. Yeah. Right, moving right along, let's talk about solo leveling. So this is a, I think it's a webtoon or something. It's formatted like a webtoon. Oh, uh, let me look. And it's in color and shit. Yeah, no, it's from webtoon.com. Okay, yeah. So solo leveling is... One of those isekai but not series mm. where instead of being instead of having a person transported to a world of game mechanics, it's a person who lives in the modern world, but there are game mechanics. Right. Yeah, I did look at this one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So basic idea is some fucking time ago, portals began opening up around Korea or wherever they are. I'm assuming it's Korea. I don't think they've ever actually listed a name. Mm-hmm. Sure. But yeah, it's Korean. Yeah, portals started opening up. And when those portals started opening up, a certain number of people started awakening, as they call it, which is they get powers. They get, you know, better healing, strength, speed, all that shit. And so those those people then started going into these portals to defeat the bosses that are in them. Because if the portals just kind of like if the portals just left open, then monsters come out and just start fucking wrecking shit. But if people go in and clear it by just beating all the monsters and the boss, then the portal closes and everything's fine. And it has been set up and it's set up in such a way that, well, the society has kind of warped around those things in such a way that being a hunter, as they call them, is a decent paying job. Because of course it fucking is. There are loot drops and shit. But unlike in other games, or unlike in games, when you when you get awakened, awakened. Uh, that's it. You don't level up. There's no fucking progression or anything. It is just, you get awakened with this level of power and that's your life. Which kind of sucks for our main guy. Cause he is an E cause he is known as the weakest hunter in the world. Like he goes into, he goes into dungeons that are ranked for him and he barely makes it out alive. He spent the majority of his life just kind of hanging out being, Essentially, fill in seats. Like at certain, at certain, mm. once you get once you get up to like certain tiers of dungeon, 
Uh, you need to have a certain number of people to go into it, but it, and so if you don't so, have that, then you're fucked. So so he so he gets asked to to essentially ride along on other groups' quests, essentially. Yeah, just hey, we want to make money. Come along. Don't die, and we'll give you like fucking five percent. And he's like, oh yeah, okay, cool, that's good. I need to pay for my sister to go to college. I need to pay my mom. I need to pay for my mom's hospital bills. So, fucking might as well. Yeah. I see. Yeah, it's funny. I there was a series I forgot about, but you can finish talking about it. That sounds kind of similar to this, but it's it's a weirder premise. Okay. I mean, do you have anything else to say about solo leveling? Or? Uh, yeah, a lot actually. Okay, well then, go on. I'll tell you later. Okay, so. Um, yeah, so one day he goes into a fucking like D ranked dungeon or whatever because he's because he is the lowest ranked E rank. So he goes into a D ranked dungeon. Uh, turns out there's a second level to the dungeon, which is God tier. Some fucking stupid, some fucking stupid like trap room and Sao level bullshit. Where he go? Where they go in with twenty people and six make it out alive from this, and they make it out alive because. He, because our main guy, I think his name's Sun Wu, he manages to figure out what the trick for the room is, which is everyone bow to the statue. It then turns evil. Go to the go to the fucking statue with the instruments so they don't kill you. Then stand in the center until the timer runs out, playing red light, green light with the murder statues. And then if you do all that and manage to survive, as he kind of did, he got stabbed right as the timer ended, so he was able to fucking clear the quest. You then become a player which is the world then becomes straight up a video game because you have a stat screen you have daily login quests you have fucking job change quests that you can go to you have like fucking instance done instanced instanced dungeons where you just go in and all right so yeah go in clear this out i can then just fucking pop back home when everything if things get bad and then that all just it becomes a video game and because of that he is then able to level up and get more powerful and go from being the worst ranked to about now he's by his estimation close to a ranked close close to an a ranked hunter and as a concept i don't hate this because like the guy when he started out as a character i thought he was a decent protagonist he was he was like a good-natured guy who Knew his place in the world, but didn't like it. So he, so he wanted, so when he got this, when he initially got this fucking power, it was like, all right, yeah, fucking, I'll be able to do this. I'll be able to get better. So I'll be able to fucking pay for more shit and whatever. And so seeing, seeing a person have an actual progression from I'm the worst to I'm God and having that person be a decent guy. I'm like, okay, I am on board with this. Then he kills eight people and is fine with it. And that's kind of where the series started to turn for me. Because one of my, one of my more, I guess, bigger problems with a lot of the East Kai stuff is how flip people, how flip fucking East Kai protagonists are with murder. Just they end up in this fantasy world and then they are fucking immediately cool with ending lives. Like not, not monster lives, people lives. Oh, goody. And so, 
And so with this, I've and so with this, in on top of watching a fucking on top of watching a character that I kind of liked progress to being more powerful, I got to watch him progress to being a character I liked less. Because like I said, he goes from that affable, likable guy to an easy guy protagonist. Just, I'm a pretty boy, but if you get on my bad side, I'll turn into murder mode. And it's not even like a and it was set up in a it was set up in such a way for him to start killing that I could have still liked this character because what happened was he was at, he was like set up he was set up to be killed by this fucking other group that had hired him to go into a dungeon with them and then the and then like a little fucking quest thing from the game system popped that said hey these people are going to kill you kill them or face the punishment which is a punishment quest or whatever and. As he was like, oh, God, I got to kill these people. What's happening? What? I don't I don't think I want to do this. But then he gets hit once and he cuts a dude head off and cuts a dude's head off. And it's like, oh, I just killed a person. Well, I'm OK with that. And then and then killed everyone else. I would have liked this a lot better if it had if it had done like a I took them out or it or like the, or like the quest had been like eliminate the threat, not kill them. Or it or if it had been kill them, if it had to be kill them. Let him fucking face the punishment because this did not seem like the kind of person who would just be super down for murder. It was it was and it wasn't like the it wasn't like the system had gone out of its way to make him more okay with murder. He just said, "Hey, kill these guys." Oh, I don't know if I wanna. He gets hit once. Okay, yeah, I'll kill them. And it just fucking bugs me. And he has been getting more and more okay with. Murdering and threatening people with murder. Hell, he's gotten, he's actually gotten skills that have made him more proficient at being a murderous asshole. And I am not liking the path that's going down with this. The main reason I'm still, main reason I'm still reading it mostly is the artwork because the artwork is actually kind of fantastic. Okay. Well, I'll have to look at it then. At least to look at, to see how it looks. As it were, yeah, like uh, like monster design, like monster design, and like all that other stuff. Wise, it is. It's nothing. It's not. It's it's not a. It's not a master of design. It's a master of like actual technical artwork. Oh sure, yeah, I understand. Yeah, which I, I'm I'm dig- I'm still I'm still reading it. That's like I I've not I've not liked what they're doing with the main character, but I feel like they could still salvage it somehow. Okay. But if if they continue down the path of making him as fucking edgelord murder k- king as possible, then I feel like this will eventually be a series I'm just kind of coasting on with momentum. Okay. And with that, let's talk about the fucking chickens. Well, hold, before you do that, oh, yeah, uh, no, right, or yeah, do you yeah, want thing. me to do... Yeah. Okay, so... Another webtoon that was actually on the site I read stuff on. That's not webtoon. The, this was right above it. Um, a returner's magic should be something special. Right. Yeah. I'm reading, I started reading that it. too, actually. Yeah. So I kind of like the premise because uh, so it, it is a reincarnation story, but it's not like reincarnation from our, a normal world to a fantasy world. It's reincarnation from a fantasy world to same fantasy world, but at the start of your own adventure. Yeah. 
like so the main character I think his name is Desir um, was part of the party that was trying to save the world and the world was saved by going into like these black space dimensions to fight evil monsters or complete tasks and whatnot and um, he the party ultimately they thought they won but they were wiped out and then Desir wakes up basically at the starting point of any given RPG story again. It's like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And so and now he's trying to live, and he's has all his memories, and to a certain extent, I think, at least all of his abilities from when he had finished the last game. Or not last game. Finished where he was at the end of the last uh, Where he was when journey. he died. Yeah. But, and so I was like, okay, so is he just going to, like, redo everything with powered up mode and to a certain extent that's true but his idea is okay so there are a lot of people that died in this quest to save the world that didn't need to die and the main reason seems to be prejudice so his his goal in this is not to conquer it although that's probably part of it it's to make sure that everyone he knows will be useful in the future is better off than they were in his previous timeline and by to do that he has to fight the man yeah. Which I kind of like as a concept. It's <laughs> Yeah, and also this is actually kind of the closest I think I'll get to like a full-on D&D bard as a main character in this guy story. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> because this guy, he like his whole thing is that he is a So, as as always, they're magic tears. This guy is a commoner tier 1 magician. But the thing that he is amazing at is magic analysis. Yeah. So while he while he cannot cast very powerful spells, he can analyze very powerful spells and manipulate them so that they do just enough not so they so they do just not enough to be deadly. Like like one of his main like one of the first things we see him do in in like the beginning thing to show off his skills is the fucking most powerful person in his class in his like year fucking throws a bomb ass magic spell at him and he deflects it just enough for him to not die from it. And everyone's like, fucking what? How do you do that? Yeah. Or like he, he manipulate, he, or like the way he thinks about spells is so different from most people. They're like, wait, so you're going to grease the floor. You're going to grease yourself, remove friction on the floor and then cause an explosion behind you so that you shoot forward at high speed. <laughs> yeah. Just a lot of like really clever uses of, like fucking level Basic one spells. Spell. And I I appreciate that. And also, fucking, this guy is the kind of character I like. Yeah. Yeah, he's fucking powerful. Like, yeah, he is powerful in his own way. But he doesn't try to lower over people's heads. He is a just nice guy who's like fucking out there doing fun shit. Yeah, and, and if he's a dickbag, it's only because he is attempting to fix changes in the timeline where if he's too nice, he knows that if he's too nice to these people now, then things will just play out the same. So at the very least, everything that's happened so far feels like any cruelty in his in his behavior or actions is for good purposes. Yeah. And also, uh, the teachers, aside from one at the school, are such dicks, who cares? <laughs> yeah. And it's got decent supporting cast, too. Yeah, so far, at least. Uh the, I'm curious what the relationship between 
the Silent Night badass and him was in the timeline because they kind of alluded to that, but they didn't do anything with it yeah. yet. So I feel like that's probably going to get fleshed out. And but we also get like apparently like both of the characters that he's hanging out with the most died in his previous timeline. Yeah, and. He's trying to, he has ideas in his head as to how they can not die in this timeline. And he's going about trying to set those in motion. Yeah. So, Returns Magic should be special. It's actually a really solid series. Yeah. Anyway. Fucking chicks. Now to stupid. Now to stupid. (laughs) So. I do not remember what the name of the series is. I have spent a chunk of this podcast trying to find, find out what its name is. But I have not found it, and I do not care to put in any more effort to finding it. So, fucking chickens. <laughs> in There's this a series world, called Chicken Stalker. So, in this world, our main character, he is an orphan. His dad was abusive, and every adult in his life is a piece of shit. Like, he lives at, he lives in essentially, a, like, an orphan boarding house. Where it's not an orphanage, it's just a house, but orphans live in it. And so he, and so his whole big goal thing is, I'm going to get a job, get fucking, like, begin saving money, and then buy this orphanage so that I can fucking look after all my <laughs> brothers and sisters. Is this literally a killer chicken manga? It, it's, it's dumber than that. Okay, because I think it's just called Hen. No, it's not called Hen. It has a, it has a, like, three word title. Okay. Starts with a B. Oh, okay. Although you might want to read Hen, Dead Man, because it's from your favorite uh, misanthrope, Hiroya Oku. Hi. Oh. Anyway. So yeah, he is going out trying to do this whole fucking thing. Um, as he gets to school, they're just doing like they go to have assembly, and then suddenly the principal begins acting weird. Just like, just like strips out all his clothes, fucking runs with this girl, starts biting her. Then he turns into a giant chicken. (laughs) Just like, just like one page person, next page, pop chicken. Then every adult turns into a chicken. Then those chickens start eating people's brains. And that's the story. The story is. A high school student has to go try to rescue his family after every adult in the world turns into a giant chicken that wants to kill children. Fucking fucking chickens. (laughs) I I don't see what the problem is. This sounds up your alley. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it, it should be. Like I like I fucking started reading the story and I'm like, all right, when does the, when does the time travel aspect come in? But for some reason, for whatever reason, this this series is the toe over the line of stupid. It it crosses the threshold of stupid for you. Yeah, it fucking gets out of the uncanny. It, it gets out of the reverse uncanny valley. So. I guess I guess for me in this fucking analogy there is a there is a, instead of instead of having a valley of stupid it there is a hill of stupid where it just like 
there's like certain stupid just kind of goes under the line of liking. And all of a sudden there's a giant shoot up around around this like weird area where it's just like, hey, this is stupid enough to be fun. But then this just kind of begins rolling down the hillside. Jesus, there's so many manga with killer chickens. Yeah, it's weird. Like, there's this thing called 14, where a lump of chicken flesh becomes sentient and turns into a super mutant chicken man named Chicken George. Yeah, I read that. <laughs> that one was fine. Like, that one at least had the weird, semi-interesting idea of having a lump of sentient chicken flesh become a Che Guevara. This doesn't have that. The most interesting idea this series has had is a slight visual where a bunch of fucking giant chickens begin raining down from the sky, saving our main character, because every airplane that's currently in the sky had every passenger and pilot turn into a chicken. That's, that's the most visually interesting thing that's happened in the series so far. <sighs> yeah, I don't really know how much else I can say about it. It's just, just fucking chickens, man. Oh, okay. No, wait. I just remember something even dumber. Just remember something even fucking dumber. So, like a lot of these fucking, like a lot of fucking books, uh, when they reach the end of a volume, they have like a little fucking point five chapter or whatever. And with this, and with these point five chapters, they have. They have a story that they're being told that's being told through them that is not tied to our main character's actions. It's just a story about the world is happening right now. And it okay. is retarded. So first chapter is a guy going around collecting all these giant fucking eggs. We, we, and then it, and then it ends with a cut to a different place with a with a shadier man in a cloak also collecting giant fucking chicken eggs. Second part of the story is one of those eggs hatching and releasing a half-man, half-chicken hybrid. So it's a person, but they have, like, fucking chicken eyes, uh, like, chicken feathers around their neck, and, like, the weird, like, little flap thing on chicken heads. The cloaked man then gives that person a woman. He then fucks it. Upon completion, the fucking cloaked guy shoots the chicken man in the head. Because he is only a stepping stone for the advancement of humanity into being true humans. Which apparently in this case, true human means part chicken. This is a fucking book that happened. Someone sat down, drew a man, drew a chicken, over... I, this is this is my fucking vision of what fucking happened. A man drew a man. That same man then drew a chicken. And I was like, oh, I got to go. I'll put these two pieces of paper over top of each other. As he was walking, it then kind of caught the light in such a way that it was like that he was able to see through them. So then he saw a chicken man and was like, yes, I have it. This is this is what humanity is meant to be. And he okay, directed this fucking manga. manga. I found your manga. Uh, Bogyaku no Kokeko. I kinda uh, I'm kind of tempted to like cut that out of the fucking podcast because I don't want this series to get any credit. Uh let me just make sure it's the right I, one. Uh 
It is. It is. It is. It is. It fucking is. The world suddenly changed. Adults have started to morph into giant chickens and attack children. That sounds about right. Yeah, and, and that's, that, that's a fucking lie. They don't morph. They just become. <laughs> like I said, there was no real fucking... We, we don't see anybody who is in the middle of a fucking transformation from half... Who they're, where they're like fucking a man, but they have chicken legs or like a person and all of a sudden their head turns into a chicken. It is just instantaneous. It is ridiculous. And I think I hate it now. As I've been talking about it, I think I hate it. <laughs> it's been the, it's been a time since that has happened. It's been a little bit since I've talked myself into hating a series. <laughs> Fucking chickens, man. Oh. Okay, so he's written three series. The guy who wrote this. Um, this is the only one that's horror related. The first one's a shonen, and the other's a comedy drama slice of life romance series. Oh, that's the other fucking thing. This is drawn like a fucking gag comedy series. Like the chickens yeah, are drawn well, with like the chickens are drawn with like, you know, fucking whatever realism you can go for. But like half our main cast, they look like they look like fucking characters from Yotsuba. Okay, I think this writer has a dark sense of humor that we just don't get because I looked up his his romance series and this is the description. Uh, Shinji was a high school boy without a future. He went up to the roof of a building with plans to jump, only to run into the beautiful teacher Shinanoya Sensei. Then she made a shocking proposal that would change Shinji's destiny. An exuberant tale of double suicide from the pen of a genius. Good Christ. (laughs) Now I gotta fucking read that one. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. And he also believed one about uh, the cops that just called sleazebag policemen. Yeah, I think this guy just has a sense of humor that doesn't appeal to either of us. (laughs) Yeah, just fucking chickens, man. (laughs) (sighs) That's going to do it for this year. (laughs) That's a note to stop on. (laughs) Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back, like I said, um, on the week of the 7th of January. Back with new year of fucking bullshit. Until then, though, I'm dead. I'm Birdie Chicken. Thank you for joining us. We will see you guys in 2019. Chicken. Fucking chicken.